L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Late last night, maybe not that late. It was before halftime because the Redskins decided they weren't going to put up much of a fight. Drew Brees picking him apart became the all-time leading NFL passer. This is what it sounded like last night as the Saints romped over the Washington Redskins. Ball spotted at the Saints 38-yard line. First and 10, 246 remaining. Saints lead it 20-6. to Brees has completed passes to eight different receivers already. He starts in the shotgun, drops back. Looks to the far sideline, wide open, Traquan Smith. And Traquan Smith is going to go to the end zone. Drew Brees has done it. You have just witnessed history in New Orleans. Drew Brees is the NFL's all-time leading passer. Drew Brees goes 62 yards to Traquan Smith down the far sideline. Could it have happened any better way? Now, here's the question in general. One where in the world did they get the gift certificate, basically, that they handed him to? Two, did the NFL need to have the guy in the white gloves taking the football that had just been out on a field? And three, and this is maybe the most important, can you believe that the NFL flagged Drew Brees for a celebration penalty when they had a guy there in white gloves and they had the certificate and he was setting the all-time NFL passing record? Shouldn't this be an example of a play that maybe the NFL could be like, you know what, I don't really think we have to throw a flag for a celebration penalty here. I want to bring in the crew on this one. I'm going to go around the horn. How crazy was it that they threw a celebration penalty flag on the Saints when Drew Brees set the all-time passing record? 
the broadcast team announced it really quickly in passing, so I noticed it as well, and I was, I, I almost thought they were joking. Like, yeah, are you kidding me? And for people out there who didn't realize it, they kicked off from what I guess like the 15 yard line or whatever after they moved them back for the celebration penalty. I don't know. Somebody can look this up, and I'll continue to go around the horn. The Redskins, to me, should have declined this penalty if Jay Gruden has like any kind of sense of the moment at all. But I'm not sure that you can decline a celebration penalty. I'm not sure what the rule is on that because we could say, okay, it's stupid of the NFL to call the penalty, but you rely on the Redskins to be like, yeah, we're going to decline that because this guy just set the all-time record for passing yardage. Uh, so I'm going to continue to go around the horn. Uh, Eddie Garcia, how stupid was this of the NFL? Uh, outrageously stupid. Um, you're going to stop the game. You're going to have a ceremony on the field. You're going to, you've already obviously scheduled this ahead of time if it happens. You've been promoting it you know, for a week. That, you know, tune in and see this event. I mean, that's it's literally absurd. the reason why this was the Monday night football game because they were doing the math and expecting that this would be the game at home where he would set the all-time record. His wife and kids are on the field, so you know it's all set up in advance. You've got the gift certificate somewhere. Like I'm making fun of it, but it's like he got a you know random like uh, gift or whatever. You know, like a, like he had just gotten an honorable mention at a high school science fair. They hand him the uh, they hand him the the thing. But that's ridiculous, right, Eddie? I mean, I don't absurd. even understand how they make that decision. Totally absurd. Like I said, if you're going to if you're going to stop the game and have a ceremony, what the what the hell do you need to throw a flag for that for? I mean, you've already agreed you're going to make this into an event. So it, go come on, have some common sense. It is the most NFL of all NFL moves to decide that you are going to drop the flag there and flag him for celebration. Roberto, are you also in agreement here? Yeah, in agreement too. And the the weirdest part was the certificate. Like you say, what is he eight years old or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, odd. where do they where yeah. do they keep the certificate? Yeah. Like, and what did the certificate say? Congratulations, you're now the NFL's passing Here you leader. Go, Drew Brees. Well, his kids That's could take odd. that to school. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> sure Drew Brees' kids have a pretty good uh, life at school. And by the way, good for Drew Brees. He's got four young kids. They look to be about my age. You know how? I mean, my kids' ages. You'll sometimes look at athletes and be like, oh, you know, like you remember their entire athletic career because it kind of mirrors your life. Drew Brees was at Purdue, same years that I was in college. We're the exact same age. He's 39. I'm 39. And so his family, obviously, the life situation appears to be very similar to mine. I've got three boys. He's got three boys and a daughter. So, uh, you know, he's got four. But, uh, but you know, in general, I thought that uh, I thought the whole thing was crazy, the fact that they flagged him. Um, Dub, Dub hasn't gotten to talk yet today because we haven't taken any phone calls. Were you watching this? And did you? I feel like mo- a lot of you out there listening to me right now didn't even realize that the NFL flagged him for a celebration penalty. Has anybody been able to figure out whether you can ex- turn down a celebration penalty? So do the Redskins bear part of the blame here? So I've been researching it too. There's there's nothing specific about that. So we're still looking. I know Clay. We've seen in college football where a player maybe has passed away, and they will. Like Maryland did this at the beginning of the year. They'll line up in a formation, and they'll have that position vacant. Yes. And then the other coach has agreed ahead of time to decline that penalty. I know it's not exactly the same thing, but I that's the first thing that came to mind when yeah. you talked about that. That's a great point. Can you imagine if Tom Herman and Texas had accepted the penalty for the uh for not having you know, like the when they honored the uh the, the former player at Maryland who had died? 
like everybody would be like, man, what a just absence of understanding your place in the larger cosmic universe to accept a penalty here. I feel like, and again, we need to figure out the answer on this question, whether or not you can decline a celebration penalty because it would be rare that an opposing team coach would decline the celebration penalty. Sometimes you can make the decision, okay, do I want it to be enforced on the kickoff? Do I want it to be enforced on the point after try? Those are usually the decisions that an that opposing coach has to decide on the celebration. And almost always the coach is like, oh, move them back for the kick. So that's the way you know 100% that this penalty happened. Because I thought they might be joking too. It's like a misplaced joke that just didn't land when I heard that. And then when I saw the uh, when I saw him march back, I was like, "This is unbelievable." Talk about the NFL just not being able to get out of its own way to have that decision and to allow him to be punished for an event that you basically built the entire game around. The idea that Drew Brees is going to set this record and that he did it before halftime with the Redskins deciding not to cover a receiver wide open on the sideline. The game itself was kind of a big bust because as the, the Saints just came out and absolutely dominated. Um, okay, uh, we also, in addition to that going on, and by the way, we're going to talk with my guy Petros Papadakis coming up uh, here shortly, as we always do on the Tuesday edition final hour of, uh, of the show on Tuesday. Uh, we had two different Major League Baseball series that ended. One of them, the Dodgers advancing to the National League, uh, the NLCS, for the second straight, the third straight season. This is what it sounded like in Atlanta last night when the Dodgers advanced. Two out, bottom of the ninth. Jansen to Freeman. Swung on and missed strike three. The Dodgers beat the Braves 6-2, to two, and for the third consecutive season, the Dodgers are going to the National League Championship Series. Next stop, Milwaukee. So the Braves were far in excess of what anybody could have anticipated the Braves pulling off this this season. So to get into the postseason, to win a game, given how young they are and how bad they were the year before, I think it has to be considered a really successful season. On the other hand, the Dodgers, having lost Game 7 to the Astros last year, it's World Series or bust. And it's not just World Series or bust, it's win the World Series or bust. So now we'll see how they do against the Brewers. The Brewers, I don't believe, have been to the World Series since 1982. The Dodgers have not won the World Series, I think I'm correct in this, since 1988, back with Oral Hershiser, when they beat, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the A's that they beat in that series. So the Kirk Gibson walk-off, I mean, that's been 30 years now. So if you are a uh, L.A. Dodger fan, We'll see what ends up happening there, but they have advanced. On the other side of the equation, the team that beat the Dodgers in Game 7 of the World Series last year, that would, of course, be the Houston Astros. They advanced. This is what it sounded like down in Houston. Cabrera grounds it right side. Gurriel has it. He underhands to Harris at first, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros advance to the American League Championship Series. They defeat the Indians 11-3 to and win the series three games to none. Um, we also have a, uh, a another game that went on, obviously, the Boston Red Sox on the road against the Yankees. Red Sox lose game two. David Price can't win, as seems to be his uh, his want so far in the postseason. David Price 0-10 
in postseason games he has started, which is pretty remarkable. A lot of Clayton Kershaw negativity based on his postseason record. I can't believe people don't talk about David Price more and how awful he has been in the postseason. But the Red Sox went out in Yankee Stadium and absolutely dominated to take a 2-1 to lead in that series. All right, we have got... Uh, We've got an amazing close. Uh, do you have that audio for us? Uh, for people who don't are, aren't aware, um, uh, I had a uh, incredible tease. People talk about my teases all the time. Basically, I make radio history every time. <laughs> Here was the tease at the end of hour two as we headed to hour three. Final hour of the show next. We'll talk with somebody. I don't know who. That's what you call a great tease. That is how you know you are a big-time professional. We've also got a couple of Animal <laughs> Thunderdome updates. Wait, wait, uh, wait. Before we get to those, which one is better, that one or your classic in the Audio Hall of Fame? Let me back up a couple of months here. Travis, next hour next. I'll kick the coverage. <laughs> next hour next is a great tease. I don't know why people are not like just all in love with that. And next hour I next, hate, yeah. I hate – if you guys want – <laughs> to prove that this show is dominant, just to listen. Assume that the next segment is going to be good, and I don't have to give you some cheesy radio tease like that sounds so fake and artificial coming out of me. Next hour, I'm going to tell you who's got the highest completion percentage in the history of the NFL. Next, Fox. Like to me, if that tease works. You are so stupid, I want you to be listening to ESPN Radio instead. Like, I want all of the dumb people to go and listen to that Wingo and Golick show that nobody listens to anymore. Just dumb people, just go there. Like, you can just leave me behind. All the stupid people go there, and I just want dumb people to listen to them. I want smart people to listen to me. If a stupid tease works for you and you otherwise would not be listening now i'm not talking about a tease where it's like something we do that's unique if i tease the animal thunderdome is coming up next i expect that you will stay but for me to just have some stupid tease where it's not really even that important in the grand scheme of things and it's like oh this guy is fourth all time in passing yardage like if i could tease you right now i've got petros papadegas coming back but i could be like you'll never believe who's number six all time on the nfl passing records next like if you're so stupid that you have to know who number six is on the nfl passing records and that works on you i want you to listen to espn radio I would like to hear these back-to-back really quick. All right. Hey, Travis, next hour next. I'll kick the coverage. Final hour of the show next. We'll talk with somebody. I don't know who. There you go. That's what you call. That's how pros do it. That's how pros do it. Nobody's turning off their radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. My top five in the NFL and my bottom five. Cue the music, boys. There we go. The melodic tones of NFL films in the background right now. You feel like you could run over a frozen tundra and jump over into the end zone, tumbling, rumbling, stumbling, bumbling in for a score. The bottom five, these teams are not scoring often enough. The Atlanta Falcons. The Indianapolis Colts. The... Oakland, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders, the Arizona Cardinals, and your worst team in the NFL right now through five weeks of the season, it's the San Francisco 49ers. So my bottom five, the worst teams in the NFL, all one and four 
all of these five teams are. The Falcons, who should be much better. The Falcons have lost a lot of close games this year. Beginning with week one, the opening Thursday night game against the Eagles. They lost trying to throw the ball into Julio Jones just as their 2017 season completed itself. And the Falcons are 1-4. and four. They lost in overtime to Drew Brees and the Saints. And they lost in a last-second touchdown pass by the Cincinnati Bengals. So, Falcons 28, Colts 29, Raiders 30, Cardinals 31, and the San Francisco 49ers, the worst team in the NFL. If you are a Bay Area NFL fan, the Raiders and the 49ers could not be worse. That is an awful situation for you. The five best teams in the NFL – Counting down. They didn't even play, and they surged into my top five, Chicago Bears. They are one bad half, one Aaron Rodgers comeback away from being 4-0. They were on their bye this week. They are now the sole possessor of first place in the NFC North. Chicago Bears, fifth best team in the NFL right now at this exact moment. In my fourth spot, they were down 17-0 to the Miami Dolphins, and then they came surging back with 27 points unanswered. Cincinnati Bengals, now 4-1. and one. They are on a roll in the third spot. They won last night. Appreciate the Redskins not showing up to compete. The NFL flagged him for his celebration penalty after he became the all-time leader in NFL passing yardage. Drew Brees and the Saints, the third best team in the NFL right now. And then I think it doesn't matter who you are. Whether you've got a local show anywhere in the country, whether you are just someone with an anonymous Twitter account, Anyone who doesn't have the top two teams in the NFL right now as the Rams and the Chiefs or the Chiefs and the Rams has not been paying attention to the NFL at all. I have got the Chiefs number one overall. I thought the Rams were just okay on the road against the Seahawks, whereas the Chiefs dominated, dominated against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I've got the Chiefs number one overall. I have got the Rams number two overall, Saints three, Bengals four, and Bears five. We do it every single Tuesday. That's my top five and my bottom five. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. What you got for me, Danny G? All right, shout out to our big affiliate K-Fan in Minnesota. Beware of birds flying under the influence, Clay, in Gilbert, Minnesota. Here is the story courtesy of Fox 9. Drunk birds are ruffling a few feathers in this Iron Range town. There are angry birds. And there are scary birds. But have you ever heard of drunk birds? Oh, yeah, they're, they're intoxicated. There's no doubt about it. In Gilbert, Minnesota, about an hour north of Duluth on the Iron Range, the police department says it's gotten about a half dozen reports of birds that appear to be under the influence, flying into windows, cars, and acting confused. The department believes the birds are getting tipsy from eating fermented berries caused by an early frost. And many birds haven't migrated south for the winter yet. So the problem seems to be more widespread than in previous years. We've kind of nicknamed it berry benders now. Birds are on a berry bender because they'll take them, (laughs) they'll eat some of them, they'll get uh, intoxicated to that level. It seems like younger birds, uh, livers can't uh, 
process it as well, and they seem to be a little more loopier, I guess, for lack of a better term. Drunk birds are totally a thing. Uh, I've had to give sober rides to Cedar Wax Wings uh, uh, from the uptown area. <laughs> <laughs> the police call it Barry Benders. That is a uh, interesting. Like, why would you not get drunk if you're a bird? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know, on a day to day basis, are the birds in really that much danger? Might as well get uh, get wasted. Yeah. It's a, Exactly what uh, Eagle fans think on a regular basis, too. Uh, a bird leaning on that berry Kool-Aid. All right, uh, and then let's go to India right now. In- did we ever get it, by the way, an update yeah. on the tiger killer in India? Did they, did they like the super tiger? Remember that story about yeah. the man-eating tiger? I, I haven't seen an update on that. We'll do a little research on that and see if anything pops up online. This also comes from India. A bus driver there in Karnataka, that's a state in southwestern India. Well, he's in trouble for letting a monkey sit on a vehicle steering wheel and help steer the bus. This video went viral on social media. It shows this bus driver holding on to the wheel of the bus with one hand while this monkey perched on the wheel steers the vehicle with his monkey hand. The Karnataka. Wait, wait, with his monkey hand? I mean, with. With his well, monkey, with his hand. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I guess like, the monkey would have a hand. Right? Well, we've like talked a, about this before. Monkeys are creepy. Remember, uh, Robert yeah. said they were creepy because they have hands like humans. The bus driver took one hand off the wheel, and it looks like the monkey is helping him steer in the video, and everyone's laughing on the bus. But the Karnataka State Road Transportation Corporation is not amused. They say the driver's been suspended from his duties while they officially investigate the incident. Officials said the monkey was a pet belonging to one of the passengers on the bus. I mean, they know that the monkey didn't actually drive the bus, right? Like, what are they going to investigate? I don't know. I mean, that would be a big upset if the monkey were able to also reach the pedals and steer the bus. Like, this seems to me to be a driver just having a little bit of fun. Now, I can also understand why you would be like, hey, there are, you know, I don't know, what, 40 people on the bus behind you or whatever the number is. You can't have a monkey sitting in your lap pretending that the monkey is driving the bus, but it's clear that the bus driver is just having fun here. So I don't know what the investigation is going to uncover. <laughs> that this was like a pet monkey that somebody that the driver got to put in his lap. Like This is an example of how if a video just goes out, everybody's yeah. like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. But what are you going to do? You're going to fire the guy because he's having fun at his job? Uh, that seems kind of crazy to me. Stare the bus, monkey. All right, here we go. We'll go to England now. The RSPCA said that they sent an inspector to a couple's home in Stockport, England, this couple, you're going to hate this, Clay. They spotted a snake when they opened their oven. Oh. <laughs> uh, the couple called the inspector to their home because when they went to their oven, they were trying to cook some fries. You know, in England, uh, chips, they call them. Well, they came face to face with an African brown house snake. All yeah, right. Pause for here for All just right. a sec. There are, I believe, no snakes in Ireland, right? Like, that's the story. Like, St. Patrick, they chased all the snakes out of Ireland. So I believe there are no snakes in Ireland. Are there snakes in England? I guess so, according to this story. Well, I mean, this this sounds like it's like a pet snake because this snake is an African breed of snake. Like, it seems like it would have had to get let loose into England. Like, I don't really think of... England as being a place where there are lots of snakes. So I I guess what I'm asking here is, are there snakes that are on the loose in England? I ask because I'm flying to England on Saturday. (laughs) I'm doing the show from London for a week. And in my head, when I think of England, 
I think of it as being a snake-free zone. Like in, in, in the same way that Ireland is an island and there are no, no snakes on it, it seems to me that the same thing could be true of England. Well, that's a good call by you because later in this story, they say that the RSPCA is trying to find the animal's owner. Yeah, because yeah. people who have snakes as pets always lose them. If there's one thing we've learned from the Animal Thunderdome, it's that if you have a pet snake, it always gets out. The snake always gets out and disappears in somebody's house, in somebody's neighborhood, in somebody's city. Like, it is without fail. <laughs> Every single person who's ever owned a snake has lost them before. Check this out really quick. The wife said, I gave the inspector a big hug and a cup of tea afterwards. Instead of having the idea of putting chips in the oven, I sent my husband to the fish and chip shop instead. Yeah, the big thing I have with the fish and chips in general, and I'm thinking about this, uh, obviously, as a part of this story, it's basically like Captain D's. The fish and chips is so wildly overrated. It's like the entire country is bragging about the fact that they have Captain D's. I mean, it's just fried fish and some French fries. It ain't that impressive, England. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This show, pretty easy, especially when we have guests like Mark Schlereth set to join us. Go ahead and bring him up. He was calling the, uh, he had the broadcast for the Arizona Cardinals win against San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Mark, thanks for getting up early with us, as always, on a Tuesday here. Uh, what did you see from Josh Rosen in that game? Well, he was really, I mean, in the very first pass of the game, was a 75-yard touchdown that Christian Kirk, the other rookie for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, beat the coverage on. And I'll tell you what, it was a beautifully thrown ball. After that, I think uh, up until middle of the fourth quarter, they had 55 total yards of offense after from that point forward. He really wasn't very good. Uh, missed a bunch of wide-open throws, which was you know not his that was not what he had done the week before. He was very accurate with the football, but. Um, just got sped up a little bit, a little bit of uh, pressure, a little bit of, uh, you know, a couple of hits. And, and so he really wasn't that good, but they found a way to come out with a win, uh, turning over San Francisco five times. So it re- really was that, I mean, that was the story of the game. They turned it over, um, found themselves a, an opportunity to get those five turnovers in, and come away with a victory. There was a ton of optimism coming into the season for the 49ers. Uh, then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. Let's take the quarterback position out of the equation, which is difficult. How have the 49ers been other than at the quarterback position in your mind? I know you've seen them a couple of times. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, Clay, because they have had so many injuries, not just the quarterback, but they have had probably six or seven other guys that are that they were counting on that were prominent players get hurt. They've had several secondary guys go down and miss at least a game or a half a game um, or several games. They've had guys across the field um, you know, that, that have had those injury issues. Uh, three of their offensive linemen went out the week before and, and missed time in a game. So they have had some real issues on the injury side. Um, I think their biggest issue, and I think they've done a pretty good job of, you know, of, of um, grabbing players and, and building their roster, they don't have an edge pass rusher. Much like Oakland, only Oakland gave theirs away. They haven't been able to find one, and they were in on the Khalil Mack, uh, you know, trade discussions, but they couldn't get in. They just don't have somebody that really can apply that edge pressure on a consistent basis. But um, they have just been snake bitten by injuries across the board. They la- they lost a 
two receivers in, in last week's game. They had two starting receivers in last week's game, although Pierre Garçon came back later in the game but wasn't the same player. So they have just been snake bit this year, and that's really been their biggest issue. Last week we talked with you, you're out in Denver, and we talked about how if Case Keenum hits Demarius Thomas on that throw at the end of the game against the Chiefs, everything feels different for the Broncos. They're at 3-1. and one. Everybody's pretty optimistic in the Mile High City about their chances to compete in the AFC West. Everything changes. Instead, they find a way, Patrick Mahomes does, and the Chiefs come in and win. And then was it a hangover effect? What happened in the performance against the Jets to allow Isaiah Crowell to run for as many yards as they did and to just get physically beaten like they did? That's an ominous sign for Vance Joseph and the Broncos, isn't it? Yeah, it's as many times, um, Clay, as they went out and got just thunderstruck last year. I mean, just pummeled by... Philly and pummeled by Kansas City and pummeled by uh, the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins last year. I think Vance Joseph is 1-10 on the road since he took over as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And to go out to, to New York and get throttled by the New York Jets and, and throttled with a rookie quarterback that only threw it 22 times. I mean, he was, I believe it was 10 of 22 in that particular game. They just got physically manhandled, and it's such a bad look to go in there and get and get beaten by double digits um, to New York. And I don't care if it was a Monday night, and I don't care if you had to travel across the um, across the country. You just got embarrassed. It was the most embarrassing loss of Vance Joseph's tenure, and I think it started the clock ticking. Um, and this this Rams team is not going to take any mercy on them. They don't care. They have their own injury issues. But if this is another blowout loss for Vance Joseph, I think that's the beginning of the end for him as the head coach here in Denver. What do you think in general about replacing a coach during the season? There was obviously a lot of talk about whether Vance Joseph was going to be the guy uh, in the offseason. He survives. He comes back. The, like I said, the, the Broncos play pretty well on Monday Night Football. And then it just seems like the wheels come off in this game. When you look ahead, like you said, you look at this uh, schedule – the Rams are coming to town against the Broncos. Uh, then you got the Cardinals. Uh, then you got the Chiefs. So on the road, I mean, two of the next three are against two of the best teams right now in the entirety of the NFL. What happens? Like, does he is he coaching by the time the Broncos are playing against the Texans in November? Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting question. I think obviously there's a natural there's a natural break where if you're going to make a move, you can do it after the Arizona game because it's a Thursday night game, then you have 10 days to try to figure out, you know, what the replacement is. Uh, do they ask Gary Kubiak to come back and, and finish the last part of the season? He's part of the organization. He's over there every day. He's helping, you know, he's helping with the scouting. He's helping with a bunch of different things. So um, do they ask him to come back and coach? I, I don't know what the answer is there, but I think that would be the natural break. Now, if Gary says no I'm, I'm not going to do that I just don't feel comfortable doing that I don't know who on that who on that coaching staff you would make an interim coach I mean when you go through their coaching staff Bill Kolar seems to be the guy who's a D-line coach that's really respected around the league but do you make that move is that your guy is it Bill Musgrave the offensive coordinator it just doesn't seem like there's a natural guy to select on that staff as it's currently constructed so but that seems to me to be to, to would be the, the natural break there 
if you get blown out by if you get blown out by the Rams and you don't perform well on a Thursday night to a team that's really not very good in Arizona, um, that would be the natural break to me. I know it's uh, still early in the season, but he's making eighteen million dollars a year, and the defense was the story in the performance against the Jets. But what's the verdict on Case Keenum uh, so far in terms of his tenure with the Broncos? Is this a guy that you've watched and thought, okay, I can see this guy being the, the quarterback here for the next four or five years and he can make a, you know, this his home? Or does this seem more like a temporary sort of uh, fix as opposed to a long-term relationship? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because we had, had this discussion a bunch, Clay, and, and everybody was like, listen, Case Keenum is is a guy that you're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to support him. You're going to have to have good players around him. Um, he's accurate. He's got great timing. He's got all these different things. But there was always the caveat of he's not going to hoist the franchise on his shoulders. He's been a journeyman for a long time for a reason. Had a great season last year. You got to support the guy. And as soon as you don't do that as a franchise, everybody's like, "Well, Case Keenum isn't the right guy. It's time to you know go get Chad Kelly. They call him Swag. Go put Swag in." There's this fascination with backup quarterbacks that you saw play, you know, against third team players in vanilla, you know, in vanilla preseason games and say, that's the answer. Look, and, you know, it was funny because everybody on my show here locally in Denver was texting our, you know, our text line saying, well, look, all four rookie quarterbacks won. So it must be the quarterback that you, you should have gotten a rookie quarterback or play Chad Kelly. Well, you know, I mean, Sam Darnold completed about forty some percent of his passes. Uh, you know, not one of them, not one of them had a completion percentage over 50, or over sixty percent. I think fifty eight was the high for Baker Mayfield. So I'm like, calm down. It wasn't necessarily the quarterback because he completed almost seventy percent of his passes for three hundred and seventy seven yards, two TDs, and one interception. It's that they can't protect him. That, that they gave up four sacks. They gave up a bunch of pressures. If they sit back and throw it fifty one times like they did. They'll lose every one of those games, whether it's Case Keenum or whether it's you know a young quarterback that you're excited about the future with. So, you know, already they're very impatient here in Denver when it comes to Case Keenum, and and I think he's a guy that if you support him correctly, um, that he can win games. But uh, obviously, that's not happening right now at this stage. You've got the Broncos Rams coming up this weekend. You'll be calling it for Fox. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. Go follow him on Twitter at Mark Schlereth. When you look at the Rams and you look at the Chiefs, I think they're unquestionably the two best teams uh, through five weeks in the NFL. Which team's better? Yeah, interesting. Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it's the Rams. Um, based upon, I think they have a much better, you know, much better personnel grouping. Um, they've had some injuries on their defensive side. You know, Keith Tlaib has been out. He's going to be out for another four or five weeks. But um, I think the Rams have got that kind of talent. I think the thing that, that, you know, the similarities between the two offenses with all the jet motions and unique motions and, you know, all the, you know, all the, what the quarterback is doing for both of those franchises, I think that makes them um, very similar in the way they go about their business. So I think that part is, is great. I think both from the head coaching standpoints, the play calling of both those head coaches are just so aggressive. Just, you know, throw caution to the wind. We're not, a, we're not afraid to make a mistake. We're just going to go after you on a consistent basis. So the similarities there are great, but I think the Rams are a better team roster-wise overall. 
through five weeks, uh, the Raiders sitting at one and four. I know you're out in Denver, so you're not that close to Oakland. But the 49ers, I think you can kind of – you watch them play. I think you can make the injury argument with the 49ers. The Raiders at one and four surprised you how bad they've been. What would you kind of uh, strategize and analogize there when it comes to how John Gruden has returned uh, to the NFL? Well, I mean, obviously it, it's hard to get wins, and I think their roster is the oldest roster in football. You know, that's that's always been the deal with them. And I think, uh, you know, I think offensively um, they've put up numbers, and, and I think they'll, in the long run, they'll be okay on the offensive side of the ball. I just think defensively, um, I, I think they struggle defensively. I think from a roster standpoint, they struggle and you start coupling that with losing your best overall player and kind of the culture setter in Khalil Mack, and, and it's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, that's one of those things. I've always said this about rosters in general. you got to know who the guys are on a football team that you can't mess with. Um, the guys that mean that much to the players within that locker room and the guys who set the tempo and help set the culture. And, you know, I did a Chicago game. And they raved about, hey, we've had Khalil Mack for two weeks now, and he's changed our football team. He's changed the culture of our football team. He's changed the way we practice. He's changed the way we meet. He is, the like, as good as he is as a football player, he's a better person. He's a better human being. And how do you let that go from your locker room? How do you not figure out how to create or, or figure out a deal for that guy? And you heard all the players in Oakland, when they heard he was traded, they, like, they were shocked. They were dismayed. They couldn't believe it. And there's certain guys, and they're not always starters, Clay. Sometimes, sometimes it's a backup dude that sets the tempo in practice on the look squad. Sometimes it's a backup guy that is your best special teams player that brings levity to the locker room that everybody loves and ties the offense and defense together. And those are the guys you better have your finger on the pulse of your organization of who provides that for you, that stability in the locker room, that connectivity in the locker room, you better have your finger on the pulse because when you get rid of those guys, there's not one dude in that locker room that doesn't go into some type of funk. And I know, you know, you're supposed to be a professional and you're a professional athlete, but at the same time, you're a human and, and you lose those people. And I mean, it's devastating to a locker room. And Khalil Mack is that guy. And, and how you let that guy leave because you don't want to figure out a way to make the money work is beyond me. Last question for Mark Schlereth. Again, he's going to have the Rams on the road against the Broncos this coming weekend in Denver. When you look at Drew Brees and what his career has meant, last night becoming the all-time passing leader, what did you think watching that game? What has Drew Brees meant to the NFL and to the Saints and to the sport in general? Yeah, he is. he's been an incredible human being. He's been you know, so not only just on the football field, the guy's been one of the top quarterbacks of our generation, one of the top three in our generation that we've ever had the privilege of watching. But, you know, I was out there for training camp this summer as I'm friends with Sean Payton and, um, you know, put some stuff together and worked with their offensive line a little bit and went through meetings. And, um, and my family came over to the facility to pick me up. Uh, Drew Brees takes time out of his day to spend with, with the fans, with the people, um, was so gracious to my family, but so gracious to that community. He's such a part of the National Football League and such a part of New Orleans. And um, I tell you what, he's just we're thankful that Drew Brees has been a part of the NFL for this long, 18 seasons, an incredible accomplishment. And you heard it. You know, you heard it. He takes time out 
to thank his family, his kids, to love on his kids a little bit and say, you can do anything. You can accomplish anything if you're willing to work for it. It's just such a powerful message at that point of his life. And uh, I'm just real thankful that I've had the privilege of watching him all these years. Outstanding stuff as always. Mark Schlereth, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Good luck calling that Broncos and Rams game on Sunday. I appreciate it, Clay. Take care, buddy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare i'm diosa and i'm mala we are the creators of locatora radio a radiophonic novella which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast, podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.